to another No Regrets Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton. And today, not just my beautiful wife, Carla, is with us. Hello. But we have Lisa and Rick Moore who have come to share their story. Carla, why don't you tell a little bit how you met Lisa? And um, I met Lisa years ago at the hospital and we worked together and got to know her. And she's just so delightful and such a, um, just was just kind of bonded with her and love working with her. And then um, love kind of learning about her story and her family and all that. And then she had, they had sort of a life event that was huge. And they at, we asked them, would you maybe be willing to come and share your story? So we're grateful they were willing to do that. So welcome. Thanks for having here. here. Yeah. Rick, you got anything to say before... Nope. I think, she, right. nope. I think she's a, li- a delight, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lisa, why don't you start us off? Just tell us a little bit about how long you've been, you and Rick been married, how'd you meet, family, just sort of that background. Um, we've been married 35 years this year, and uh, we have two sons, two grown sons, a daughter-in-law, and five grandsons <laughs> that are just the blessing of our life right now. And um, Rick and I actually met probably about 39 years ago. At church, his um, father was our pastor. Edgewood Baptist Church, Lakeland, Florida. Woohoo! Shout there out! Go. Shout out! <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, we just met there and spent time in the youth group together. And uh, okay, I'm going to tell my story now. Um, so they came to visit our church when I think I was 13 or 14 years old, and their family walks in the back, the front door, but it's the back of the sanctuary. And my friend and I were sitting up on the second row on the right side. And we turned around. And after I picked my jaw up off the ground, I was like, man, we need to go get her to sit with us. And my friend was a little bit uh, bolder than I was. So he went promptly up to her dad and said, hey, all the youth sit up here. She's, she's our age. Can't she come sit with us? And so she sat right between me and my friend. And... Um, that's that's kind of the, the start won. of our story. And I did win in the end, yes. There you go. Yeah, good Were story. you as attracted to him as he seemed to be to you? <laughs> you be took, honest, be honest. Okay? It okay. took a minute. It took a minute. took a minute, okay. It took a minute. But he all right, was well, always very kind, very sweet. All right, so we're going to assume the minute happened. So now you've been married almost 35 years. Um, tell us what happened in the last years that was huge in y'all's life. Um, well, you know, the, a big event, it was 2017 and Rick just started saying, you know, he's having headaches, you know, and I, I didn't think a lot of it cause Rick's never been one to complain a whole lot about anything. And, but then he started saying he had double vision and, um, he came in the house and I looked at his eyes and his pupils weren't, um, the same size, which I knew was definitely a sign of something wrong. And, uh, we went straight to the emergency room and, um, he ended up having a huge workup, um, took about a week for them to figure it out, but they found a, a cavernous sinus fistula in his brain. And Say that three times fast. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but a cavernous sinus fistula in his brain, and um, they started doing some procedures. They Basically what it was is the fistula was... Um, in layman's terms, because we're not all nurses. Right. Abnormality in the brain, which she had always told me I had an abnormal brain. Anyways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My, Carla tells me that a lot, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is confirmation. Brain. Okay. Um, well, a fistula is basically kind of like a, a pocket that fills, and it what happens is the venous and arterial blood mixed there, and it's an abnormality. I mean, it's just a uh, arterial whatever it was. It's abnormality. not supposed to be. It's there. not supposed to be like that. And his internal carotids, which you have internal and external carotids going up your neck into your brain, and his internal carotids were actually feeding the fistula which caused it to grow and put pressure on his optic nerve, causing the double vision and the headaches and stuff. Um, so it took quite a bit to find it. Um, so they started doing procedures, and they did what they called like a coiling or pipeline that they put in the left internal carotids. We had that procedure first, and then he came back a month later and had some done on the right, and then we had to go back and do the left again. All that was done within about three months in 2017. Um and he got about six months of relief where we didn't have any headaches. We really thought that was going to be it. Um, the surgeon, however, did mention to us that he was concerned about the external carotids feeding the feeding the fistula. And, you know, we prayed about it, and we just really felt like, you know, it was going to be okay. And um, so about six months later, headaches came back. Hmm. Double vision came back. And we went back in, and they looked. And sure enough, the um, external carotids were now peripherally like little vessels feeding that fistula causing that same mm. pressure before so um you know we went back in for another procedure this one was supposed to be easier it wasn't any coiling or pipelining it was basically kind of sealing off those little vessels with a, a, a substance basically that they were going to use um and it was supposed to be like a two-hour procedure the other procedures had been over three so i thought well this will be a piece of cake you know well i sat out in the waiting room for a very long time and I didn't think much of it because I know I work at the hospital and nothing starts on time. And I thought, well, they just didn't start on time. And I had, um, we always have these little greeters in the waiting area that are trying to keep track of everybody. And they would kind of check every once in a while. And they finally told me where they were done on one side. And this is the first time they were going to do both sides. But they were done on one side and they were fixing to start the other. And several hours had passed already. Um, several more hours passed and... The, when the greeter came back to tell, talk to me and give me an update the next time, I kind of could tell by the look on her face that this was not as good of a, I, I don't know, she just, people just have that look, you know, and, and she said, hey, the doctor's going to come, or the surgeon's going to come talk to you, and I thought, okay, and so when he came out and told me that basically some of the substance that they used to seal off um, those little vessels had gotten sucked up basically in the right internal carotid causing uh, what we would call a foreign body embolus type stroke um, which affects affected the left side of his body and um, then they really didn't know at that time you know what all that was going to look like but they just knew that that had happened so that's kind of how that all started and he spent uh, probably about two weeks in the well ICU and um, let me step in there I see you normally means, uh, what does it normally mean? Intensive care Intensive unit. care unit, right. Which I found out real quick that I see you meant I-S-E-E-C-U because of the real small hospital gowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not for the um, shop. Yeah, yeah, no. true. So, yeah. He spent a little time in the ICU and on the floor, and then we quickly got to a rehabilitation hospital. I'm just hospital. glad somebody left at my joke. I'm so glad they did. <laughs> um, the rehabilitation hospital. Oh, it's and good he, to find humor. Yeah. Where you can. He does that, yes. He spent about 12 weeks at the rehab hospital, um, mm. and during that time, um, you know, pretty much eight hours a day, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. Um, he, it was, you know, I, just preparing for this podcast, it really made me appreciate where we've 
come and how far he has come because he literally had an, you know, um, it was his, it was actually his right eye that he couldn't open. And they really didn't think he was going to be able to see out of mm. his right eye. Oh, wow. Um, and then his left arm, left leg, he couldn't even, he really couldn't even sit up unsupported on the side of the bed when he left the hospital. He couldn't talk very well. And yeah, we couldn't understand him very well. He Pretty much before he left the hospital, that was a little bit better. But um, he could eat and that kind of thing. They had cleared him for eating, but um, swallowing and everything. But it was, uh, like I said, pretty drastic of a, a situation. And, and then spending 12 weeks in the rehab hospital and him constantly wanting to come home. Um, so that was really hard. Um, um, Lisa, how, how long a time was it from when you realized the severity of what had happened before you maybe had any conversations with Rick about it? And maybe, because obviously he's been out, he's been under anesthesia, he's, you know, on medicine, things like that. How, what was the time frame before you began to sort of, or, or maybe Rick even asking what had happened? He, he asked pretty immediately. Um, it was hard to understand, but I could tell by his gestures he was asking, you know, because he, he could tell it was different because he'd had three other procedures. Okay. We had a uh, fundraiser that was going on that I had planned at our church to raise money for our kids to go to camp every year. We had a golf tournament scheduled for that weekend. And so I just kept thinking that whether or not this was just a dream or whatever it was that I was still planning on playing and running that golf tournament. So I kept saying, well, I got to get out of here so I can go do the golf golf tournament on Saturday. And I could just see everybody shaking their head and whispering. And I'm like, this is not When you saw them shaking their head and whispering, what were you thinking at that point? At that point, I was a little freaked out. I was thinking this might not be good because I don't think I'm going to play that golf tournament. (laughs) And I already had people coming up from Florida. Like my father was driving up from Florida to play in the golf tournament. And I already had ringers set up to play with us. You know, so I was like looking forward to, to dominating that, this golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> when did you, you know, it, how long did it take you to realize, I mean, I can't move on my left side. I can't. Pretty much right away when you got an itch on your face and you can't, <laughs> you can't yeah. get it and you have to go with your right hand. So what were your thoughts? I mean, did you realize... This is not good. Uh, like immediately after going from the ICU and they moved me to the rehab center on Northside Drive, uh, I was, um, you know, not moving. They put me in a wheelchair to move me in there. And when I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, I've always been very, very athletic and been able to do a lot of things and was a minister of music and relied on my voice for, for a lot of things. and. And then my speech was just, I, I didn't even recognize myself, you know. It, it was pretty bad. Lisa, what was, when, when you first started realizing he's had something that is changed? I mean, we've got now a brain injury. Um, what were your first thoughts and feelings? You know, it's, it's hard to say. I remember... Uh, there was so much in me that I was like, I just knew that God was going to take care of this. And that... Um, when you say that you knew, was that like this thought, okay, he's going to get better? I did think that. I did think that it was going to get better. I mean, there was the, 
it was hard. I struggled because with the nurse side of me and the, the medical side of me that knew answers and how, what this looked like. And then my faith side of me, it struggled. You know, I mean, I constantly struggled against that because, and Rick's always been a very optimistic, you know, I used to like to call unrealistic sometimes, <laughs> but very optimistic person. So, I, and I did not want to discourage any of that. And, and Rick comes from a family, too, that his mom is extremely um, optimistic like Rick is and, and speaks life. And I didn't want to, the nurse side of me didn't want to not speak life, but yet I and also hope. felt like, and hope. Yeah, I wanted hope, I, and I still wanted hope, obviously, but there was just that part of me. I just really struggled with it. I prayed. I asked God. I was like, you know, you got to help me because I just, I know you can do anything. And I, I believe that with all my heart that you can fix this and everything be fine and, you know, and Rick be back to his normal self. But um, that nurse part of me knew that this was this was probably, you know, a life-changing kind of situation or could be. So. And I spent the first few weeks in the rehab hospital, you know, just questioning God, like, why is this happening to me? Mm. And then, then I kind of knew that I mean, I just always knew that God was going to use this for his glory. And that I, I found myself bargaining with God, like, God, if you could just heal me. This will be a great story, God, yeah. yeah. So I just, I just, and I still think that he can. But at some point, you know, you realize as you, you're day by day, you're living with this and you realize, okay, this is, this is probably going to be the reality that we live in. How long after all of that, that sort of set in? Um, for me, it set in definitely when he came home. Um, that was a very, very hard week. I took that week off from work, obviously, to stay home with him. And, and you know, we tried to get the house prepared, you know, with bars and things like that. But we just were not, I mean, prepared, really. Um, he fell several times mm. at the house, you know, and... Um, Thankfully, our son, Richie, could come by and help out and stuff. And um, But it was it was very difficult. I mean, it was just, it was definitely not the same. I wasn't sure how we were going to, um, how we were just going to make it. I mean, it was just, it was really devastating, honestly. I mean, um, just did a lot of crying <laughs> and praying and, um, and, and like Rick said, you know, talking to the Lord and, um, and just, and lots of times I asked that too. I mean, I said several times, why did this have to happen to us? You know, you'd see other people who maybe had a debilitating injury of some sort and then they'd be fine, you know, and it's <laughs> like, well, Lord, you know, why, would, why couldn't that be us? Why couldn't we have that same answer? So, What about, um, when you say you were, you know, maybe those first waves of shock and grief and you're thinking about what is this going to look like and feel like? When you said you cried and stuff, is that something you did together in front of one another? Is that something you did more like, I don't want him to see me crying and upset, and so I got to process this at times by myself? Or we did, I did both. Okay. Um, there were times that I, I we cried together and um, mm. just expressed that together, and then there were times I would just kind of go to my room and just cry. And I, and honestly cried myself to sleep a lot. Um, cause you know, by the end of the day I was just exhausted and, um, and just didn't think that I just didn't see how God could, I don't know, get us, get us back to where we were before. 
use us in the way we had been used before. Um, and it was, it was just a very, um, sad time. And when you're married to somebody at that time, we'd been married for, we actually almost celebrated our 30th anniversary in the rehab hospital where we got let out. He got let out right before Well, that. there you go. Yeah. So it was 30 years, you know, and, um, I thought this is not the man that God gave me to marry. You know, mm-hmm. I, it was different. He really, he was different in some ways. And, and then in other ways, you know, he was just the same, you know, Rick that, um, you know, married 30 years previously. So. Rick, let me ask you, you know, when you came home, when they were letting you come home from the rehab, did they basically say, hey, this is all we can do? Or did they, were they like? No, they they were saying that, you know, with, with rehab, that there's a possibility of getting it back. So we've we've been hitting the rehab really strong for, for five years now. For five years, still <laughs> waiting on it to get. Yes. To get back. At yeah. which point did you think about almost, there's got to be some point where that realization is, what if it doesn't come back? Come fully after back. The, yeah. the third year, I realized, hey, you know, after three years, a lot of these, I do a lot of YouTube searches and mm. found out, you know, hey, it might not, it might not ever come back unless God steps in. Yeah, there's almost yeah. too much information out there. Yeah, there is. And um, I'll, I'll never forget um, one of his, um, doctor visits with his neurologist um it was one of the probably like the maybe the first six months you know went to him and i just i said in the appointment i said can we expect any um improvements and he said i i doubt it he said i really doubt mm. it and what when stage he, was this hmm? how, how far along about was six this? months Okay. Six months, probably his first like follow-up appointment kind of thing i asked that question and i felt bad after i asked it because I felt like I already knew the answer and I, I didn't know if I asked it because Rick needed, I wanted Rick to hear it, but I felt bad after saying it because like I said, Rick is such a speak life optimistic person that when we got in the car, I said, are you upset with me that I asked that question? And he said, yes, do not ask that question again. (laughs) Um, he wasn't, and he wasn't mad at me or anything, but you know, I knew after I asked it that it was going to be hard on him to hear that. Um, and I kind of was upset that I asked it too, but, um, like I said, that nurse side and that faith Christian side just really struggled on, you know, but in the midst of all that, you know, we have had, he is, he's done remarkably well. And, and like I said, just even preparing for this podcast and thinking about where he was and what he is able to do now. Um, what are some of the biggest, and, you know, going from, Right after he has the incident that you can't see, they're thinking he may not be able to see. He's got really pronounced issues with his left side. What are some of the improvements you've seen since then? I can actually make it upstairs now. As long as I have like a right handrail or something, I can I can get in and I can drive now too. So that's that's always a plus. I can cool. get out yeah. and go. Big time. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. can drive. He. He never had problems with his vision. He actually still can like see across the room something on the floor, and I'm like, I don't see that. <laughs> you know, he can he can like eagle eyes. You know, see across the floor, and um, you know, and his his mobility is much better than we, especially that first week he came home. Um, you know, I just didn't realize how hard it was going to be. They were wanting to discharge him weeks before that, 
and he he was still needing like two people to help him. And I was oh, like, wow. I can't take him home if it, if I can't do it. I can't take him home. And and he he got really depressed about that because I think he thought I didn't want to take him home, but I did. I definitely want to take him home, but I wanted to be able to take care of him. So. I think y'all can't see him because we're on a podcast, but Rick is a very tall, big guy, and Lisa is a little bitty thing. And so that right there would be a challenge, right? Yes, it was. It was. But um, like I said, Rick's done great. I mean, he really has improved. And I I really love how he has continued to do therapy and, and work hard at... Um, so you're still doing therapy five years out? Yes. A couple times a week. He actually wow. has a, a new therapy tomorrow that they're going to do some acupuncture on that arm. We're praying that this might get my fingers moving, maybe. Yeah. They're going to, it's going oh, to wow. dry needling. They're going to stick all these needles in my arm and then maybe put some electrodes on them and shock me from the inside. <laughs> I said, well, that it, sounds great, doesn't well, it? Sounds like if it works. Shock me all over. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, there we have sort of the story of. Man, what was a drastic change to where you were basically living a full life, and that's totally flipped, just almost literally overnight. The point where now you've progressed, but you're still not back to where you'd like to be. So I think that is a great place to stop this podcast. Because we got way more questions. Because we got way more questions. Because where we're going to go, and so if you're listening, come back next week. For part two. And uh, for part two, and where we want to hear and give y'all time to think about it, is, man, how has that impacted you? We're a, we're a marriage podcast. And, you know, a lot of times people forget the reality, hey, what happens to one happens to both of you in marriage. So we want to take a look at how that's impacted your marriage. But, man, where have you seen God really do some really good things out of this because of this. And so with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye for right now. And we want to encourage you as we always do to keep on forging.